Hi, good morning everyone. Welcome. Thank you for coming. We will start on top of the hour. Um, in the meantime, I shared in the chat uh, the lab website. And uh, if you want to check it out, and I'm pinning now the, um, the paper. So if you want to start looking at it, feel free to do so. And we will start in around five minutes. Thank you so much. And yeah, if you think this is interesting for people that you know, feel free to share the room. I think it's a really interesting and important topic, mental health. So um, yeah, thank you for your support. Remember what the first forest kind of was for you, and what was the second? Um, to I somehow saw, yeah. get it, did they grasp the biodiversity you... difference or the the density um, differences? Hey, hey, Sonia, how are you? <laughs> Good morning. We still have a few minutes. Uh, so yeah, we'll start shortly. Thank you for coming. Do you see the the mutes uh, the the mute button is all the way on the bottom right hand? There's a little microphone button, so to mute and unmute, um, you click on that, and then we can we can hear you. Can you hear us? Uh, Sonia, can you hear me? We'll start in a couple minutes. In the meantime, I'll put the paper up. 
And um, shortly I will switch to the PowerPoint presentation for this talk. So um, after the introduction, I will switch to that. Hi LT, how are you? You want to come up to the stage? Oh, thank you LT. Hi Abdo, how are you today? Feel free to share the room. If you think that this topic is interesting for people you know. I'm sharing it on Twitter right now. And we will start in a minute. I just want to check, Sonia, can you, can you hear us? Uh, we cannot hear you, so if you press on the microphone button, um, you're unmuted and then we can hear you. Hello, Katarina, can you hear me? Yes, now I can hear you. How are you? <laughs> Sorry, I was in another meeting, so I just like finished now. Okay. Um, I was wondering because when you came in, it's so weird. It's you're unmuted, like people are unmuted when they come onto the stage. So it's kind of- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. It was just ended now. It's like a, a bit busy schedule, but uh, yeah. Uh, can I just have a second to grab a glass of Oh yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We we have we have time. Don't worry. No rush. Just come back and yeah, take a break <laughs> for a minute. I'll share on Twitter and so that we're starting. So no worries. Hey everyone, we will start shortly. Um, and in the meantime, um, if you have questions or you can check out the paper on top that's pinned on top, or um, if you would like to share this, um, I feel like this topic is important for a lot of people uh, because it's mental health related. So feel free to share it or um, check out the lab website that I shared in the chat or the paper because shortly we will switch to um, to the PowerPoint presentation uh, when Sonia will start to talk. So um, yeah, thank you for coming and we are looking forward to this discussion. Hi, here I am. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for coming and uh, going through 
the trouble to make a Clubhouse account and all these things. So we really appreciate it. And, <laughs> and I'll give first a short introduction and then we'll go from there. So um, Sonia Sudimak, um, she is a fellow of the International Max Planck um, Research School and on the life course. And um, she did her bachelor in psychology at the University of Belgrade. And in 2016, she did her master's in educational psychology, also at the new University of Belgrade, and her master's in cognitive science at the Technische Universität Kaiserslautern. And um, yeah, as I said, now she is at the Max Planck Institute. And um, her main research interest is um, on how the environment shapes uh, the human brain and um, more specifically uh, how um, the human brain changes when it's being more exposed to nature versus urban environment and uh, stress, emotions and other cognitive processes. Um, um, she's very interested in the neural mechanisms that um, are um, underlie these effects and um, as well as in the physiological processes during exposure of different environments. But she will talk all about this. Um, and uh, before we start with talking about your really interesting and I think really important research, um, we usually ask a couple of interview questions if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. Okay, so how did you become a scientist? Was it something that you always wanted to do or did you maybe read a book? Was it a class or something that happened in your life that kind of sparked your interest to become a scientist? Okay, cool. That's a really interesting question. <laughs> Um, well, to be honest, I was not really one of these kids like that always wanted to become scientists. I know some people who really wanted to become scientists from like very, very early age. Um, but not really in my case. I wanted to become actress. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, but um, I wanted to study psychology. I always found interesting both psychotherapy and generally how our mind works, how brain works. This is the reason why I started studying psychology. Um, but not really, I didn't mean to go into research. As you just said, also in my biography, you could see that I did this master in educational psychology. So I was more kind of wanted to focus on education. Um, but then I realized that it's, um, if you want to do educational psychology to change something in your country, um, I come from Serbia, by the way, uh, not from Germany. That's really difficult. So somehow I um, decided that I would like to go more into cognitive research, like science and neuroscience, because I I realized if I wanted to do new science, that would be neuroscience. Um, and then I got I applied for a German DAD scholarship, and then I got uh, to Germany, and then I studied master in cognitive science, but from the 
very beginning, I focused more to cognitive neuroscience. This is something what I was interesting, interested in. And then I had um, um, the opportunity to do the internship in Max Planck uh, in Leipzig, which is Max Planck Institute for Human Cognitive and Brain Sciences. Science, sciences yeah. And I learned the fMRI methodology, so magnetic resonance imaging. And I really liked that because you could really see in the brain, you know, structure of the brain, what is happening in the brain during certain tasks. So I learned that methodology and somehow thought that if I continue in, to work in science and pursue my PhD, that would be something in neuroscience and with this methodology. Um, and then I um, got to hear about this uh, Lisa Meitner group for environmental neuroscience, which I'm now a member of in Max Planck in Berlin. And then I applied and I got this PhD. So it was not really some sort of idea I want to become scientist necessarily, but somehow searching for a field within psychology that I found uh, interesting. So along this way, I, I, at the end, I um, yeah ended up liking research and 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 um, yeah statistics and so on, which was not so in the very beginning of my studies. Um, and I like it now. I think it's really interesting field, uh, both neuroscience and environmental psychology, environmental neuroscience. So, yeah, I think it's a good choice, but it was more of a, of a, yeah, that where the kind of path uh, <laughs> invited me to come. Yeah, that's great. I, um, I think it's really important to just have the mindset we have to do what we have to or learn what we have to learn to kind of um, solve the quests or the questions we have like to not be yeah. it's a good approach not be stuck in the type of work we want to do um, yeah. to get there but we just adapt to what we need to learn to solve the stuff that we want to solve so i think that's a great way and the that way you probably will for sure learn way you know a lot of different methods and it's, i think it's a it's a great way to do it so congratulations to to those choices and it worked out really well right you have the max Planck, so that's wonderful and um and is there maybe like um, a backstory to this project and this specific field with, you know, um, stress, amygdala and nature, like what drove you to choose this specific field and project? And is there maybe a background story? Was it really easy to get funding for it or to get, you know, that people want to support this project or not? Or, you know, is there some story? Was there something really surprising um, during this research that came up? Thank you. Um, yeah, this is also a cool question because, I mean, this field is practically new. Uh, I think we are the only group called really environmental neuroscience. So practically, I've never heard about this field uh, before I applied for this position. And actually, with like uh, when I started working on my PhD, it's when the group started. So, um, yeah, I mean, I heard about it just because I found it um, online and I wanted to. Uh, it looked really cool. And why I actually applied for it was because um, 
I just thought it's really crazy study. So when I had an interview with my supervisor, she was uh, saying to me that uh, she has in mind to do this study where people go to forest or to urban environment, we scan them before and after. Um, and I just thought it's so groundbreaking, like nobody does this thing. You're normally, when you work in psychology or neuroscience research, you have really controlled environment in which you do your tasks and so on. So I thought like, I thought it's not even, I don't know, something scientific because there's so many things you can't control when people go for one hour walk and come back and everything. But that's why I thought it's like super crazy. I just also thought it's super fun to do it. Um, and this is kind of, yeah, this really got my, my attention, this specific study that she was talking about. It was not detailed, but she had it in, in her mind with, with other studies. And um, it's true, it was received like something very weird and fun because whenever I was presenting this before we had the data, people were like, what, you you drive people with taxis to call it Grunewald Forest and to Schlossstrasse, like this, this street. Um, this is so weird, like nobody has done this. And then I, especially not with the scanner. Um, so I thought it's really interesting. And it's just, we don't know almost anything about a relationship between environment and brain. And I just thought it's super exciting to start working on something uh, where we don't know practically anything about. Um, so that's kind of the, the story behind um, how I chose this field or this project. Um, and this um, kind of uh, group came to be because my supervisor, she was working, her name is Simone Kuhn, Professor Simone Kuhn, and she was working mostly with plasticity. She's famous plasticity uh, researcher. Um, and then she realized that actually when she uh, does intervention studies, for example, um, for example, providing stationary bike um, to people to exercise or different intervention when she measured brain plasticity, um, she realized that when she removes the intervention and she stops people pay paying the people, they just stop doing this intervention. So she realized that if you want to somehow enhance brain plasticity or increase well-being in people, it makes more sense to change their environment, right? Because they're all the time within their environment. So if we want to change something, maybe it makes more sense to construct certain environments in a way that are optimal for us instead of doing short interventions which just stops working when the study is done. So then she started to be interested more into environment uh, and then environmental neuroscience and it resulted that really in the literature there is not so much about the relationship between environment and brain and then she um, actually applied to, to fund to start this uh, environmental neuroscience and it's called Lisa Meitner Group for Environmental Neuroscience because Lisa Meitner is a famous um uh, research german uh, researcher who mm, was not that kind of famous in her own time and then um, this is a group that promotes uh female researchers and and so the the leaders can only be um uh, women so i think it's also good um, good way to promote uh, uh women in science as as, as pi's as leaders wow that's wonderful um, that sounds like a really great place to be and it's a really exciting field like I see so many like future applications and collaborations for you and you know the group you're in like maybe collaborating with architects with 
um, yeah. engineered, like um, urban engineers and so on. So I think it's, it's exciting that, you know, your group exists and I hope, you know, a lot of people will ask for your expertise in the future to build like healthier cities and environments. But I don't want to take the discussion away now. So um, I will switch now everyone to the PowerPoint presentation or, you know, the PDF presentation. Uh, so, and then I'll put the paper link then in the chat. So I'm doing that right now. So there should be now the presentation. So the stage is yours, Sonia. Thank you so much. And yeah, we're excited to learn from you. Thank you. Um, cool. Then I'll start. Um, okay. So I hope you all access the presentation uh, until now so i can just start right katerina yes mm -hmm. thank you okay um so hi everyone um thank you for for being here today and for yeah having interest in in this research i think it's really exciting really new um i thought to just give a bit of a background of what is environmental neuroscience so what um, what is its um, aim, um, and also to talk a bit uh, about my project uh, in this paper that was published recently uh, in molecular psychiatry. Uh, and at the end, I'll just mention the other project also that I'm working uh, with in my thesis. Um, so yeah, I'm um, Sonia Subimets. I am a part of Lisa Meitner Group for Environmental Neuroscience, as I said, within uh, Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin. Um, and uh, I will talk about my uh, project, um, how nature nurtures uh, amygdala activity decreases as the result of a one hour walk in nature. So I would like to start if you switch to uh, slide number one, uh, just showing you this um, figure in order to kind of introduce uh, what is our aim. So why are we doing this research? So in this figure, you can see that already, already now more than half of the world population lived in cities. Um, and this trend is going to continue in following years. So for this reason, it's really crucial to rethink what kind of urban environments we want to have in future and what kind of urban environments are optimal for our mental health and uh, well-being. Um, and why is this important? Um, environment has to do a lot with mental health. Uh, and um, as you can see in the slide two, um, in urban environments, mental disorders such as mood and anxiety disorders uh, major depression, schizophrenia, are up to 56% more common in urban than in rural environments. Um, and um, especially schizophrenia, because urban upbringing is the most important environmental factor for developing schizophrenia. And some authors even claim that there is a causal relationship um, between environment and schizophrenia, uh, because it has been shown that when people with schizophrenia move to rural areas, their actually symptoms um, decrease. Um, on the other hand, 
um, when we spend only one hour in natural environments, uh, it has been shown that this improves our working memory capacity and restore attention. And also natural environments have been shown to improve mood and reduce stress. And uh, this is the case not only with um, uh, perceived um, sensations and uh, the behavioral measures, but also with physiological indicators. So it has been shown that uh, spending one hour in nature also decreases heart rate, blood pressure, and um, stress hormone cortisol, all of these being physiological indicators of stress. And um, you might wonder why. So why is the case? So what is so magical in nature that makes us feel uh, so good and um, make us want to see nature and go in nature, listen to birds, etc. So on slide four, I listed some like two most um, famous theories. There are more of them um, actually trying to discuss uh, why is this the case. So everything starts with this biophilia hypothesis, maybe some of you have uh, heard of, uh, posited by Wilson. And uh, biophilia hypothesis says that humans have an innate tendency to see connections with nature and other forms of life. Um, in other words, since we came evolutionary from nature, we want to go back to nature. And whenever we do, it feels good. So our stress decreases and our attention is restored, right? And then attention restoration theory uh, by Kaplan's um, posits that nature can recharge our cognition uh, by capturing our involuntary attention, allowing our voluntary attention to restore. So what is involuntary and voluntary attention? So, for example, when you work or study and you're using your voluntary intention, like working memory, etc., and after, like at the end of the day, you feel already tired, so your voluntary intention decreases. And when you go for a walk in nature, uh, then nature captures your involuntary attention, and during that time, your voluntary intention is restored. So why is this ha happening? So why is nature capturing this involuntary attention? Um, uh, they say, Kaplan and Kaplan, that this is because some environments, including nature, they are um, provoking so-called soft fascination, meaning that, for example, um, when you look to the trees or to greenery or, or to river, uh, we are fascinated by, by it, but in a soft way, so we are not overwhelmed and we don't need... Um, to force our attention, like to pay attention on it, but our involuntary attention just go to birds and greenery and, and trees, etc. So why, while our involuntary attention is there, occupied with nature, uh, our actually voluntary attention can, uh, can restore. And that is why they claim that our attention improves in, in nature. And since our attention improves, that's why our stress decreases. Um, on the other hand, there is also stress reduction theory uh, by Ulrich, um, who says that um, there is quick positive emotional response to nature, right? So as soon as we are in nature, we automatically feel better, our mood is better, because humans evolved in nature, and we just perceive it as less tense and less complex in urban environment, and we are just automatically feeling better in there. So this theory is also related to biophilia and this uh, it's a psychoevolutionary uh, theory, because again, it states that we 
kind of want to go back in nature. And uh, according to this theory, our stress automatically decreases when we are in nature, and that's why our attention improves. So these theories are not necessarily uh, um, opposite, but they're complementary theories. It is just that attention restoration theory focuses on attention and stress reduction theory on stress, and different research try to kind of focus to, to their research in the realm of, of one of these theories. So, as I have mentioned before, there are many uh, studies uh, trying to understand the relationship between environment and behavior within environmental psychology. And we know that um, nature, for example, is uh, beneficial for, for our mental health, for, for our stress, for our attention. Uh, however, we still don't know much, um, as shown here on slide six, is uh, what are the neural mechanisms behind this link, right? Like, wh why are we actually feeling better after going to nature? What is happening in, in our brains? Um, and this is where environmental neuroscience uh, comes into play, right? It tries to understand what are the neural correlates and, and mechanisms behind these effects. And apart from that, um, environmental neuroscience is also trying to answer uh, questions uh, in the realm of one of these theories. So if we want to focus more on stress reduction theory, we can focus more on brain regions related to stress, or to attention restoration theory, we can focus more on brain regions that are related to attention and cognition. Um, on the slide six, uh, seven, sorry, you can see um, I, I will mention some of the research that has been done so far uh, when it comes to relationship between environment and brain. There has been some research and they focused uh, mostly on amygdala. Why an amygdala? Uh, amygdala is a part of a limbic system, which is one of the oldest evolutionary parts uh, in our brain and they are so limbic system is responsible for emotion processing and concretely amygdala is related to fear so when we uh, perceive uh, uh, fearful faces for example or stress um, it is very evolutionary important parts of our brain because uh, because of it we can survive we can escape where there is a threat etc so since we know that we are more stressed in urban environments, we like research is mostly focused uh, on amygdala. Um, and in this um, seminal study by Leder Bogin and colleagues, they show that um, there is a higher amygdala activity during stress in urban dwellers compared to rural dwellers. So they had participants to solve um, some mathematical tasks under pressure in a way so that, that they did it so they induced stress into participants. And they showed that their right amygdala activity is higher in those who live in cities compared to those who live in rural environment. So this showed that somehow rural environment, nature, is uh, more beneficial uh, for amygdala than a city environment. Um, on slide eight, um, you can uh, see another uh, study, but my supervisor uh, Kuhn and uh, colleagues, um, and this study showed that um, show higher structural amygdala integrity in citizens who live close to urban forests. Uh, so this uh, study uh, is so-called Berlin Aging Study. 
in which um, it was collected information about participants' addresses and about the feature of features of neighborhood around like two kilometers around uh, participants' addresses and in older adults. And this was related with this, uh, their um, integrity in different brain regions. And long story short, it was found that there was a correlation between forests, so presence of urban forest, and amygdala integrity. Again, hinting um, to uh, benefit of nature uh, for amygdala. Uh, however, these both studies are just cross-sectional in their nature, and we can't really infer the relationship of this effect. Like, what it, there's not, there is not a causal relationship. Uh, so we can't really say if it's uh, nature that is affecting uh, brain in this case, right, or other way around. So for this reason, um, um, in my um, um, PhD, I wanted to focus on causal uh, effects uh, of uh, nature and urban environment on brain. So in slide nine, you can see like my main research questions for this study. And there, what are causal effects of urban and natural environments on brain? Uh, and also, we were wondering if the beneficial effects of exposure to nature are due to beneficial effects of nature itself or due to absence of disadvantages effects of the city. In other words, if when we go to a forest, uh, do we feel well because of the forest itself or just because we are not in urban environment, which is noisy, uh, etc.? So in order to um, examine these questions, we conducted an intervention fMRI study, so using uh, magnetic resonance uh, imaging uh, and focusing on amygdala. And uh, on slide 10, you can see what was our research design. So in the beginning of the study, participants fill out questionnaires about their stress and mood. And after that, they underwent um, fMRI um, tasks. Uh, those tasks were fearful faces tasks and so-called Montreal Imaging Stress Task or MIST. Um, within the fearful faces task, uh, participants were just seeing a number of fearful and neutral faces. And we did so because we were focusing on amygdala and this is like one of the best way to elicit amygdala because amygdala reacts to, to fearful faces. Um, the other task, uh, Montreal Imaging Stress Task or MIST, consisted of two conditions, experimental and control condition. In experimental condition, uh, participants had to uh, solve a number of arithmetic uh, tasks under time pressure. And um, they all also, in this uh, upper uh, bar, they were receiving information that they're uh, not so good as their peers, that they have to do it faster, uh, etc. cetera. Um, and we did this to uh, induce them stress. And we might wonder why we wanted to induce stress. It's because according to stress reduction theory, um, um, people profit more from beneficial effects of nature when they're in, um, in a stressed state. Um, and then we want them to actually be stressed before they go for a walk in nature. 
and in the control condition missed um it is the same it is just that they didn't receive uh that they didn't receive uh feedback about their peers like how bad or good they are and there was no uh, time pressure so they can take as much as time um as they wanted um then after the task participants went for one hour walk uh, uh, either to natural or to urban environment so it was a between subject design and they were randomized um, who will go to the nature and urban environment and after the walk they underwent the same uh, fmri procedure so uh, again through both tasks and uh, finally they uh, fill out questionnaires again about mood and stress and uh, restorative um, on slide 11, you can see what was our main hypothesis. So our main hypothesis is that um, amygdala activity after the walk in nature will decrease and after the walk in urban environment, it will decrease, meaning that there is less stress in nature and more stress in urban uh, environments since amygdala is related to stress processing. Um, on slide uh, 11, I wanted to show you just where our walks took uh, part. So this is a map of Berlin, one section map of Berlin. Um, and the nature route was in Grunewald Forest. Uh, this is the largest uh, green area in Berlin. Uh, this is just one part of it that you can see. And the um, urban route was in Schlossstrasse. This is a typical area for uh, shopping with traffic, etc. Uh, and the participants were brought from the uh, institute that you can see with a pen on the map uh, by taxi and left there. And they had to walk half an hour in one direction and then uh, half an hour in opposite direction. And they were again uh, 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 picked up when they come to the beginning point. Um, then on slide 13, uh, you can see our results. So I'd like first to show you the results from the fearful faces task. So in our participants, uh, in our study, we had 63 participants, of which 29 women. And on the left hand side, you can see a fear condition and right hand side, a neutral condition. So uh, amygdala activity while watching fearful or neutral faces. And on uh, epsilon axis, you can see amygdala activity during either of conditions, uh, before and after the walk on uh, X axis. And um, um, amygdala activity in participants who went for a walk in urban environment was marked in uh, gray bar and in nature environment in green bar. So if you look to the uh, fear condition, you can see uh, for those participants who went for a walk in the urban environment, um, amygdala activity doesn't significantly change um, after the walk in, um, in this uh, urban street. However, amygdala activity after the walk in nature uh, significantly decreases. And this is... Um, in line with our hypothesis, since we were expecting that amygdala activity will decrease after the walk in nature. Um, and interestingly enough, when you look to the natural uh, condition, we find practically the same results. 
And um, we think that this is so because just the whole, uh, the threshold for amygdala activity was um, increased, meaning that it's more um, difficult for amygdala to, to, to get activated. And we think that we would get this effect regardless of a task uh, in hand. And that's why we get it both for the fear condition and the neutral uh, condition. Um, then on the next slide, uh, those are the results for the Montreal Imaging Stress Task. So this uh, task with uh, arithmetical tasks that had to solve. And uh, we find, um, again, the same results. So interaction, significant interaction between urban and nature condition, um, showing that there was like a not significant, but descriptive decrease after the walk uh, in nature, and then descriptive increase after the walk in urban environment. And uh, I would also like to point out that this was just a one hour walk. And already after one hour walk, we can see this difference in brain. Um, so it could be that after repeated walks in nature, amygdala activity for activation increases, right? And that's why it's more difficult for amygdala to get activated. And this would be in line with the study uh, that I show in the beginning, um, showing that people who live in uh, rural environments have lower amygdala activity during stress. So it might be that that's just they have this repeated exposure to, to rural environments in nature and over time just uh, threshold for their amygdala increases and it gets more difficult for amygdala to get activating, leading to lower amygdala activity during uh, stress. So we are also offering that this could be one of the mechanisms why we, why we see um, this effect in, in previous studies. Um, I'd also like to show that when it comes to uh, questionnaires, so for example, perceived restorativeness that participants fill out after the walk in nature, um, um, they uh, report that they, feel, they felt more restored after the walk uh, in, in nature than those who went for a walk in urban environment. And they also reported that they enjoyed the walk uh, more. And this is also in line with our uh, brain data. That actually, uh, this walk in nature uh, was more beneficial for them than the urban walk. Um, okay, these were the results from uh, this paper published in Molecular Psychiatry. But then we thought to kind of go a bit deeper into data. And then we published the other paper in Frontiers in Psychology. Um, where we found when we split the sample to women and men, we found that uh, this effect is present only in women. So if you see it um, here, it's shown a sample only for women, so 29 women. And this is amygdala on the epsilon axis, amygdala activity during fearful phases task. And we see the same effect. So practically amygdala activity decreasing after the walk in nature. However, in uh, men, we don't find this effect. There is no change after the walk in uh, urban environment or nature environment. Uh, and we have the same effect for the missed task. So we see the beneficial effect of nature and amygdala only for women, but uh, nothing uh, for men. And this is really interesting, um, interesting uh, result. Uh, I think we can talk later on. 
um, we're still not sure why is this the case. It hasn't uh, really been explored previously. Uh, generally, in the field of environmental psychology or neuroscience, um, there it's not the field wasn't really focused on inter-individual differences. So also with this study, we hope to um, somehow enhance the the examining of inter-individual uh, differences, starting with sex. Um, there are some studies showing that, um, uh, for example, in kids, that the girls prefer nature more and also with adults that uh, women uh, profit more from being nature or prefers being with nature. And also that women engage more in pro-environmental behaviors, such as rice, recycling, etc., than men. So it could be that there is some um, like sex differences in, in how uh, people affect na uh, nature and <laughs> how nature affects them. Um, but uh, this has been just um, not enough explored, uh, very few studies. So we hope to explore this uh, in the future. And another interesting finding I wanted to show in, in slide uh, 18 is that we found that the more connected are women uh, to nature, so we gave them this question asking how connected do you feel to nature in general as a trait, so more they connected are, there is a higher um, change in amygdala activity on the missed task after urban walk. So somehow, if they meaning that if they like nature more, uh, the urban walk will impact their amygdala uh, more. So it might be even more detrimental uh, for them if they feel more connected um, to nature. Um, um, yes, uh, we would like to encourage more uh, looking to the sex difference and generally inter-individual differences in this field. Um, also talking uh, about inter-individual differences, um, since we are also interested in it, we wanted to look to different age groups. So we were wondering um, when people actually start to feel these beneficial effects of nature, to start to feel better in nature, etc. And in our uh, second study, uh, we had as a participants uh, mothers and their infants. Uh, so on slide 19, you can see the research uh, design for the second study. And it was similar to the first uh, one. But in this case, we wanted to explore stress in mothers and their um, infants. Uh, first of all, because we were wondering, can infants already somehow intuitively feel when they're in nature urban environments? Uh, and can we measure that? So um, what we did is ask mothers if they can go for a walk, uh, but instead of going to a priori defined route, we asked them if they go, can go for a walk where they normally go for a walk. So for example, uh, for a natural environment, we would ask them if you can go for a park, which is close to your house, or um, to urban environment, for example, to street where you normally go for shopping and groceries, etc. Um, so each mother went for a, a walk uh, for both urban and natural walk, and this was normally around their home, so no more than 10 minutes walk to the arrive to this environment, which is we were really lucky because in Berlin there are really a lot of parks and it's possible to reach the park within 10 minutes. Um, and they went for a walk with uh, their infants. And we were measuring uh, cortisol levels in both mothers and babies. 
uh, cortisol is a stress hormone. So in this case, instead of um, uh, amygdala, it was proxy for stress. And uh, mothers were collecting it from their own saliva, but they're also from infant saliva because we are interested to measure this in uh, infants as well. They were until one and a half years old. Um, and apart from the cortisol from saliva, they also uh, were collecting breast milk. So we were measuring cortisol also from their breast milk. Uh, and this one I find especially interesting because we were wondering if we can see this effect on nature and environment in cortisol and breast milk. And if so, it might be that mothers transmit to their babies this effect through cortisol and breast milk. And first, we want to see if this is the case. And if this is the case, maybe we would have more studies and see if this can be even for intervention for, for mothers and babies for like more um, uh, less stressful uh, life and for, to enhance mental health of both mothers and, and babies. Um, so the, um, the, the design was similar. Uh, we managed to collect 71 mothers and infants over a course of one year. And they first did the questionnaires uh, about their current mood and stress. And then they would collect cortisol uh, from their saliva, baby saliva, and also from the breast milk. And then after that, they would go to either a nature walk or urban walk. And on the following day or a few weeks after, they would go to other walks. So the same person go to both walks. Um, and after the walk, they will again fill out some questionnaires and again um, uh, give cortisol on three more points uh, in time because we were wondering also how uh, cortisol level decreases. If maybe uh, if they go to nature, maybe this effect of nature will um, uh, be longer in time and we can see this on, on, in the way how cortisol levels decrease. Um, and again, here, um, our hypothesis was that um, um, we will see a decrease in cortisol levels after the walk in nature, uh, park, uh, and increase in cortisol level after the walk in urban environment. Uh, however, as you can see in slide 20, we are still analyzing this data. We just finished uh, with study. Um, so I hope that um, sometime in the beginning of next year, you can already read about this paper and what, what we found there. And um, yeah, those are two my main projects at the time. We also have a lot of other projects in the group and side projects I'm working on. So if you're interested, we can also talk about that. We are really <laughs> a lot of projects. Um, but this is what I mostly wanted to talk about. And my take home messages, as you can see in slide 21, um, would be that uh, we found that amygdala activation decreases after nature exposure, whereas it remains the same after urban exposure. And we think this is really important because this is the first evidence of stress-related neuroactivity as a causal effect of exposure to nature versus urban environment. As I mentioned earlier, studies did this as a cross-sectional um, design. 
Um, and we speculate the spending time in nature may buffer the disadvantages impact of the city and serve as a preventive measure against developing a mental disorder. Um, and specifically some mental disorder where amygdala is relevant, such as schizophrenia, since it has been shown that um, uh, being brought up in urban environment really relates to developing schizophrenia uh, at later age. Um, and as I mentioned, we advise future research to take into account inter-individual differences, such as participant sex and different age groups, when investigating effect of urban and natural environments on stress and brain. And we do all this because we aim to, with our research, to influence urban design policies to create more accessible green, green areas in cities and adapt urban environments to improve citizens' mental health. So we really hope that our research will, will come to the um, urban design policy makers and that we will live in cities um, where nature would be accessible to everyone, regardless also of their uh, socioeconomic status. And with this, I would like to end and uh, thanks a lot for your attention. I left here my contact on Twitter, follow me on Twitter or, or send me uh, an email if you want to uh, talk more about this or collaborate or have more questions. I am I'm really happy to discuss about this at any time. So, yeah, thanks a lot. And I will be happy to take your questions. Well, thank you so much, Sonia. This uh, was a really interesting talk and really interesting results and i know already that uh, somebody wants to collaborate with you aya and i can connect the two of you um that would be since, good. <laughs> uh, since now the your email is there maybe aya you can also um uh reach out uh to sonia but and then I want to like there are so many comments and thoughts I have, um, so uh, I don't want to take completely over. But I would maybe the male versus female is really interesting. The thing is that anxiety disorders are way more prevalent in females. Mm -hmm. So my thought was that either maybe that the baseline activity for males is maybe in general less so um so that you know the nature effect is probably beneficial but not measured as well in the amygdala maybe more in aggression levels or things like that like i don't know how to measure that right now like i would have to think of about it but maybe you know since anxiety disorders and so on are less prevalent in males maybe that's why we don't see such an effect and it's also more important to look at the female um you know part in this study because you know there are way more females with anxiety disorders that was uh one thing and then the other thing is that um for the future for let's say designing you know berlin is really nice and a lot of cities uh you know and germany and so on are really nice they have a lot of forests in the cities where i grew up in germany we had the forest close by but in in cities where it's not possible anymore because they're already way too clustered would be really interesting to know like what does 
can we create an essence of nature for people to be constantly exposed to it? Like, what are the main factors that would decrease stress levels in people? Is it the sounds, the smell, the color? Like, can we just, you know, have some green walls mixed with some sounds and some smells for people, you know, like a smell, sound, touch gardens, little ones in cities. So, um, yeah, are you planning on maybe studying that? Thank you. Um, so, yeah, many, many thoughts, many uh, points out there. Uh, yeah, I agree uh, also what you said about females and anxiety. This is also something I was thinking about, that it could be that it's something that we couldn't measure, but it's actually the baseline is, is, is different. Um, but we will definitely look more into depth this also in the future um, uh, studies. Um, there could be many things. We were also thinking that it might have been more scary for women to go to this Grunewald forest because um, somehow it's really isolated, but in the end we didn't find this. But yeah, I guess there are definitely many factors in this exposure that could have played a role and uh, it was not easy to control for. Um, and regarding your second question about the essence of, of nature, yeah, that that's, that's a million dollar question what can we do i mean that there are like we already some uh, people from urban design policies contact us and wanted to collaborate uh with us because there are also these people looking for scientists but somehow we can't connect to each other um i think that one should really think of starting small you know like uh, this what you're talking about would be amazing but even you know just thinking of creating parks that are closer to 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 like um to people you know or even just uh not destroying forests we already have so we just wanted to show how this is important for mental health as well not only for the environment and for our physical health but also for mental health um it is true germany has a lot of forests but there are many cities um in like in in, in the, like developed countries that don't have access to urban in um uh, to nature environments there are many cities that you can have a garden or so only if you're rich but actually if you are, have a low economic status you don't get to see nature at all so i would at least try it with just a really kind of and ensuring that people have uh, uh even a tiny uh a portion of nature such as urban park within like 10 minutes of walk um because it was also shown during covid times during lockdown that people who had a park within the two kilometers of their home addresses show less anxiety and depression uh symptoms so i think this one should start with with um with that and of course like there's so many of these biophilic designs that also our buildings or like offices can have more plants or greenery or just like a, a biophilic kind of like be curved we had also another study we did in vr comparing curvature and angular uh, design of, of the furniture um so i think there are a lot of small things that that could be done um in um, in this direction and it's when there comes your question about what it, what is it about? Is it about sounds or smell or color? This is something we really don't uh, know, and this is something what we should uh, we're we're planning to study in 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 future studies because for now we just wanted to 
um, explore really environment, like urban environment, nature environment as it is. But it is definitely a question, is it this um, because of the green and what's happening in, in nature, which is not green or when is not green, like in, like in winter and so on. Um, and what are the features of nature that drive this effect? Uh, this is something that we also want to examine in the future, yeah. Hi, do you mind if I go, Katerina? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, thanks for a really interesting talk. And, and related to um, some of the inter-individual factors that you were talking about, I was one wondering if uh, in your questionnaires you looked at sort of baseline levels of anxiety and whether um, you saw more, whether anxiety levels at baseline might have been a moderator for some of your results. And then two, in terms of isolating what might be the quote-unquote active ingredient of the nature exposure, I was wondering if you've done or thinking about doing experiments in VR where you can sort of isolate different um, uh, senses or, or um, sensations associated with the exposure to nature. Thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, when it comes to the anxiety, we didn't we didn't examine anxiety, but that's a good idea. I probably should have this in mind for the next study. Thanks for that. We did uh, measure stress uh, levels, but the problem with the questionnaires, I mean, if you kind of go to this slide where there was a design uh, of our study, which was on slide ten. Um, we can we couldn't really use the the questionnaires from our um, uh, like the data from our questionnaires except from the one which I show about the res restorativeness because this is the only questionnaire that we gave only at post test so after the walk um, all other questionnaires we give uh, af before and after and we realized we couldn't use them because when participants came back from the walk they first underwent the fMRI tasks and then the questionnaires. Right, and then while they were in, like when they were filling out the questions, all of these questions started, how did you feel um, in the last hour? And we uh, actually was referring to the hour when they were in nature, but since we gave this after the scanner, we were actually asking them, how were you feeling in the scanner when they were under stress? So they were all at the end felt like more stressed and so on, because we didn't really measure the effect of the walk, but rather the effect of the stress procedure after the walk. But we kind of had to do this because, uh, yeah, we, we had to balance if we want to focus on neuro measure or questionnaire measures and we want to focus on neuro measures. So we also didn't know we we're going to, you know, like find this effect if we give it after the questionnaires. So everything that we measure in the questions, we really couldn't uh, couldn't use. Um, so probably we will solve this next time, just maybe giving them short questionnaires as soon as they come back. But yeah, stress and anxiety. Also coming back to this uh, uh, sex differences story was something we would definitely measure. Uh, and when it comes to VR, yeah, that, that that's an amazing idea because in VR you can really um, control everything that you can't in real life while, while still having environment. Um, we did one, as I mentioned, this experiment in VR with the interiors, so like with furnitures. Uh, we want to do also one uh, with urban and, and natural environment. And we actually had an idea to use uh, the same route, uh, and we were taking photos of the route where they um, uh, went for the uh, for the walk in this study, and to do this in VR to kind of see if there is any difference of you know if if the effect is the same, maybe people just can do this in VR. For example, for people who can't really go to nature or can't walk for any reason, can yeah. 
Um, so yeah, this is definitely something where we will go and 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 in this case, then we could really uh, um, kind of disentangle if it's because of color, is it because of smell? I guess this would a way to do this would be in in VR really. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, yeah, thank you, Kyle, um, Eric, um, Nerdish, Dr. Rao, and Joyce. Please go ahead and PTR order. Thank you. Um, forgive me if I'm not audible. I am in the forest and reception is uh, very minimal. Nice. Um, uh, or the service is not very strong. Um, but the, the qualia is amazing. And so um, the what it's like uh, I was wondering, um, did you look into that, um, uh, the individual subjective experience of being in nature and how that impacts um, the brain? Is, is there, a, um, I, was, I was thinking that there's like a, there's a subjectivity um, aspect to being in nature. A lot of people feel a sense of awe and, um, and connectedness to, um, to life. And whereas others will just trudge through the forest um, on a path and um, complain about being stuck in nature away from um, uh, modern day society. So I was wondering about the qualia. And then also um, I mentioned Katerina that I'll send you an email. Um, I, I know a landscape architect from Harvard and also um, some urban designers and uh, landscape architects and um, your work should be um, definitely highlighted and um, in, in the minds of those people while they're making their designs. So um, I just wanted to say thank you and um, amazing presentation and just curious about the qualia aspect. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for, for, for your question and nice that you're already in nature. That's, that's nice. I hope it's a bit at least influenced by this. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a really good question about the qualia. So, um, yeah, there are definitely differences on this. Uh, we um, had this um, one questionnaire asking people how much they're connected to nature. This, there is a connectedness to nature scale in different versions. There is one with just, um, I think, 12 items. There is one with circles when they're like one circle is nature, one circle is person. So depending how overlap you have to see, you kind of, have to order, overlap them to illustrate your connectedness to nature. Um, we examined this, uh, but we didn't really find any differences. Um, um, yeah, in relation to brain study, there is this one thing that that I show on the slide 18 that we sh saw that people who are more connected, uh, to, like women who are more connected to nature. Um, had a higher amygdala activity on the miss after urban walks. So somehow saying that it was more detrimental for them to spend some time in urban if they're more connected to nature. Um, and we can see this only women, which is really interesting. And it's also true, not in my uh, sample, but it has been shown that somehow women are also more connected to nature. Maybe that's the reason why also there is uh, this difference. Uh, but yeah, I think the subjective experience is very important. Uh, I wish there was another way to measure it, which is kind of more uh, in detail than this uh, question. We did ask them, though, after the walks, 
like to say call it like with their own words what was their experience and we find really some yeah people who really enjoyed it um but yeah this this would be the way to 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 measure this uh with, with this connectedness to nature i guess uh for the moment in the field and uh, talking about this uh, possible collaboration yeah that would be great just uh send them uh, to me and then i hope we can uh, we can kind of think of working together because i'm i'm really happy also that this study um really resonated with with people uh because i think it's really important to get this message through of how important is this not only for like uh, psychological health but also for like our brain um yeah nature thanks a lot Yeah, thank you for the question, and I hope the collaboration works out. Nardish, did you have a question? No, I'm, I'm in the office now. Okay. Uh, I, I posted uh, in oh. chat. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, Dr. Rao, do you have a question? I don't have a question at this time, but I want to share something very relevant uh, with my work and with what you guys are talking about. First of all, I'm very happy I'm in this room, you know, and um, I'm going to give a brief explanation of what my experience with this uh, qualia we are talking about. Uh, I'm an internist by uh, medical profession. But I also looked into ancient wisdom, uh, several systems, yoga, Ayurveda, and non-duality. So, so many systems of ancients, you know, the thought patterns and all that. What was uh, very impressive for me was they kind of considered they're part of the nature. That's one thing, you know. And some of the insights I apply in my burning uh, uh, burnout coaching is... Uh, uh, forest bathing, when I really draw people from this data-intensive hospital environment to uh, nature, right? Uh, I don't know about the virtual reality, how it's going to work. I hope it will work. But I do simple things like a flower by the side of the computer or a plant or things like that, something natural, right? Uh, but I usually bring them out to go out and just uh, wander around if you don't have any, uh, most of our cities are concrete jungles, so they may not have, but sometimes we have roof gardens where they want to uh, minimize the heat. That's why in uh, Chicago rooftops, a lot of gardens are there. They can go and uh, wander around them too. But what I teach them is, how do you wander around? What do you do with your mind at the time? How do you deal with your sensory perception? do you involve completely or do you separate from that there is a technique called uh, pratyahara in yoga where you withdraw whatever the food that is coming from your sensory exposure food means seeing the sights hearing the noises all those things are also considered food for our mind so how do you deal with that there is a technique taught where you go you basically, you establish yourself in the natural silence that is there within us, you know. The, towards that, first you go and enjoy the nature, just be with it, and then don't ask too many questions, or 
don't wander away from that moment to your own thought world either memory or imagination you know that training that uh, shutting it off for a while really seems to make a difference for a lot of people who are exposed to lot of data getting it to go completely from the morning till evening and one of the practice i teach in my wellness club in the morning is try to be here and now in the present throughout the hour whatever exercise we do whatever breathing we do the ultimate aim is try to be here and now so i want them to take the presence as a perfume through the day that that really helps them to be in the present and deal with the things so that you won't accumulate uh, all this uh, brain fog we call it right uh, so there are so many other ways i employ this phenomena whereas we are looking at the molecular biology and the soup we make with the negative thought and all whatever starts we um, dig it up the ancients had insights about perception and the mind and the quality experience in a authentic um, their own uh, experiential knowledge it's not written down it's experiential so katrina i would love to collaborate with you on this i'm very happy i'm here i don't want to take too much time there's so much i can talk about this thank you thanks thanks a lot for for your comment yeah i mean there's just so much to it i am um... I really agree that um, this is important, what you're talking about, this here and now kind of um, um, experience, subjective experience. And um, this is also important in nature, and this is difficult to kind of control in um, in studies. So, like, for example, we really wanted to people who were going to, to nature to feel... Um, to really be there and we were not sure if this is this is really going to happen if they're going to pay attention so one of the reasons to overcome is this, that we took their mobile phones so we told them that, so we they left the mobile phones at them at the lab uh, because we were wondering what if they just walk and actually someone calls them or they're like, you know, messaging and so on. So we really hope that they were in the environment, but this is really impossible to control for. Um, and this is another question if this is how people normally behave, right? If you go to a park, probably there are people who are just really enjoying and being there, but probably there are also other people who, um, yeah, thinking on other things. So, yeah, this would be interesting also to ask uh, how much you were paying attention to the environment and then um, and correlating maybe that, this with the, with the measures, with, with the dependent variables and break measure and so on. And I also like what you said about the patients, because actually this kind of this research about urban versus nature was motivated by a very early study um, in 1991 by Ulrich, which was the, um, who started with this stress reduction theory, who actually noticed that um, patients who look to a concrete wall, like with bricks, um, um, compared to those who look to a garden, Need uh, needed more time to recover and to go out from the hospital. So from this from this part uh, of the of these rooms, from these people who were just looking to another wall, um, needed more time to go out from the hospital. And that's why he started this research of uh, kind of exposing patients to uh, to nature in order to um, in order for them to to recover faster. So I think also in this uh, context of like. Um, 
of, of like a clinical psychology, people who have certain diagnoses, it might be even more beneficial uh, to go to spend some time in nature. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, what you mentioned with the recovery time, that would really probably motivate uh, people to design hospitals differently. Yeah, in the US, it's so costly, like for both sides, for hospitals and for insurances, and so to keep people longer in the hospital. So I think there would be a huge initiative to have maybe at least like if it's not possible anything else to have like a green wall and some nature sounds or something that yeah that would be interesting and um the 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 solving if people pay attention so i did how i did that with myself when i had a lot of stress a bunch of years ago i had a very stressful job and you know small kids and everything together um, I made myself take pictures while I was walking in nature every day to kind of pay attention. And I felt like this helped me more to like, instead of just thinking about work and all the problems while I was walking. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something. And then interestingly, a few months later when I started doing that, there was an NPR, um, a show like the National Public Radio here in the US uh, where um, our artists did that like more famously and then had the exhibition about that um, and started a whole like movement on Instagram or so like for mental health to like take uh, beautiful pictures. I'm not sure if she did it just with nature but in general. Uh, to like be mindful in the moment so yeah maybe that would be a thing to do that they should take some pictures while they walk maybe not with the phone maybe with a camera or something yeah that, that was actually one of the like uh, first ideas we wanted to do because we based this on a previous study who did something similar but related to rumination so they were looking to neural correlates of rumination and participants uh uh, with depression um, and uh, and they were taking photos because they also wanted to see what draw their attention if they walk the correct route and so on but then we thought but if you kind of give this stuff to people they're different people they might be you know trying to make as beautiful photos possible and or something like that and not really like just enjoying or, or like being there um, but uh, yeah, that might be one way of like, you know, everyday practice for people to really um, kind of motivate them to go out for uh, uh, to walk. I think this was one of the motivation for me during lockdown. It was like, okay, I'm going to buy a camera. So maybe it makes me go outside a bit uh, and really pay attention to, to, to this, um, yeah, beautiful parts of nature. Uh, but uh, related to what you were saying about hospital, this is definitely, yeah, uh, one way. and. We are currently also conducting a study with a, a clinic in Hamburg where my supervisor works, where we also want to see if um, when uh, that is my work of calling of mine, when uh, like uh, walls are decorated with nature posters or like uh, with plants, um, if the, for example, a patient who has schizophrenia uh, have a decrease in symptoms. So this is something that yeah is being done and hopefully 
soon we would know results and kind of this can also uh, be motivation for for like uh, yeah making hospitals more uh, greener yeah i would also be really interested in schools because in kids anxiety levels and mental health disorders are increasing in the u.s i think by a concerning rate of like 400 percent increase in the couple of years like it's crazy especially in the pre-teens like tweens like uh 12 year olds and so on um and also suicide rates are increasing like in crazy um ways so would be really interesting if for example a study kids that in recess would be in a garden you know like plant something Mm -hmm. uh instead of just playing on the concrete um floor or something like that if that would help maybe kids yeah there is uh something uh there like in some countries already this is called forest pedagogy so there is already like trying to um kids from very early age and you know connect more with nature also for their mental health and lowering anxiety but also you know in terms of preserving forests and preserving environment and you know just uh, the thing is we are so disconnected from nature i think future generations should kind of try to connect more and uh, both for you know for environment and their own uh from themselves um and yeah there is the whole this um in scandinavia for example when their schools are um really happening uh, outside and when they learn about the world you know in practical terms if they have to do something in maths they can actually count trees i don't know but like they're really interacting from the very early age and they and we know that those are like the most successful um educational systems in the world so i i think that there's something yeah definitely that should be changed it's somehow more natural environments for kids to to just be in a park or in nature than than like closed in this environment and i think it's even necessary um but yeah i think this is definitely way to go and it's decreasing and it's increasing this this trend of uh, including nature and with this forest pedagogy in schools yeah, uh, go ahead. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. This is very interesting, a very interesting topic. Um, I had two lines of thinking, and one was that um, years ago I had a spell where I had I had a lot of anxiety and stress feeling, and it was from um, a spell during my chronic fatigue syndrome, very long-term severe problems that I had, um, and. And I found that uh, music had a deeper effect on me, relaxing. And then I saw this study that that compared like having a painting versus having like soothing music, and the music seemed more powerful. I can't seem to find the study, but I put a more recent overview of of the whole topic. And so I was thinking, I wondered if nature sounds might even be more powerful than a visual. And it might depend on the circumstances. Then my, my other thought was, I wondered about the role of changes in allergen and microbiome exposure that relate to it that might affect stress. Anyway, thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, this is really nice point with the with the music. They have music definitely changes our mood, uh, maybe the fastest thing to change our mood. 
uh, when it comes to the um, to like uh, sound from nature, this is also another line of research in in our lab where my uh, colleague Emil Stabe he is uh, mostly working on sounds, nature sounds. And for example, he studied just um, has come out like three or four days ago, where uh, he also did it in the scanner. And he was playing uh, um, birds uh, sound, a different uh, vari var uh, variety of birds um, uh, to people. And it resulted that it decreased like a, a paranoid state uh, and depression and anxiety symptoms, like not in patients, in health controls, but still some of the symptoms were like decreased after uh, listening to birds. Um, and um, yeah, he's also now analyzing this, what is happening on the, on the brain level, but it looks that um, we can, there is also benefit just when we isolate the sound. So definitely the next step would be um, going into these details about uh, just uh, isolating sounds or what you mentioned about like uh, this uh, micro uh, organisms uh, or odors, uh, color. So yeah, that we can somehow tweak this and experiment and then see why what is actually driving this effect. Um, yeah, we also had another study where we, but we're still now analyzing the data where we were playing pink noise. So this like sound uh, that, yeah, like, you know, when the old TVs were broken. Um, and some people say this is relaxing uh, for them. And it's the same sound, but uh, once we said it's like waterfall and the other times we said it's like a machinery in an industry. And then you want to see what's happening in the brain, if it's possible for brain somehow to, is there is a difference when you're expecting certain sound uh, even though the sound is completely the same and what happens in the brain in the restoration. So this is another study that we had. Um, so yeah, I think it's really interesting to, to kind of disentangle all of these features and see which of them are the most important for, for mental health. Oh, that's really interesting. So like white noise could be, can seem like a well, waterfall or water reddit or something. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, there was one study like who did they did this with uh, EEG uh, with electroencephalogram and also just asking people how do they feel and in both study they they found um, they found the signal in EEG and the people saying that they feel better um, corresponding to the to the nature kind of source. Uh, so this is there was this attribution of of the source that you can see the data even though the sound was exactly the same. So this was already kind of proven on behavioral data and EEG uh, signals. So we wanted to see if we can see the same uh, with the fMRI. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think I had a kind of a sound generator thing at one point where you could choose like a waterfall or a, or a you know, and of course I'm sure they generated them. Well, some of them they generated through, you know, certainly weren't recordings. Other parts they did use recordings, but anyway, it's really hmm. interesting. Thanks. Yeah, hopefully this will be sometime soon ready so you can read about it. <laughs> a lot of things to do. Can I ask a, another question? Yeah, sure. Um, so going back to the uh, idea of inter-individual um, factors that may impact this. I was wondering if, um, I know you talked about connectedness to nature, but I was wondering about 
um, sort of people who've grown up in more natural environments versus people who've grown up in more urban environments, um, you know, because as you were talking, I'm automatically going to the therapeutic potentials and I'm a, a psychiatrist in, in Chicago, which is a very urban environment, but it does, there are a lot of um, parks um, every couple blocks. So it's a, it's a bit of a mix, but I'm just wondering about um, the, the factors related to what kinds of environments you grew up in and how that might impact um, uh, the sort of therapeutic potential of, of exposure to nature. Yeah, that, that is a great question and something that has been uh, studied. So because, uh, yeah, this is definitely probably even more important to asking where do you live now? Well, it's like where were you brought up? And um, um, also in this study that I mentioned in, in the beginning, uh, they actually introduced this urbanicity score, which is kind of calculating uh, how much years, how many years you spent up to age of 15 in like rural environment, urban environment and like a town, uh, what they define uh, as a town. And then they relate this with the uh, activity and they actually find a correlation also in one like stress um, uh, area. Uh, we did this analysis as well, but we didn't find anything. And this is probably, I mean, I mean maybe there is an, isn't anything, but it might be also because most of our participants were really from Berlin uh, and raised in Berlin. So I think we didn't have enough of variety. So people coming from rural environments to really kind of examine this. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, something we should look into every time we, we conduct a study and we also always ask these questions in order to calculate this urbanicity score. It's just that we normally, our participants are from Berlin. Um, but it has been shown in previous study. This also impacts, uh, as well. Um, uh, yeah, where, where you grown up. Great, thank you. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you you looked at it, and I and I and it makes perfect sense that if you have most of your participant pool from the same um, area, that it it won't really impact your your results that much. But it it's very interesting thinking about um, you know the generalizability of this and thinking about the yeah. clinical applications. Yes, that is very important because we. Um, conducted this experiment with younger adults, mostly students. So, uh, yeah, the, the question of generalizability, it's uh, definitely there. Um, we um, are also conduct, like, um, did uh, an online studies, like, for example, in UK, uh, where we uh, pre-screened people based on their postcodes so that we can have a more of a difference of like where people live, rural and urban environment. When we were doing a study with like, um, we, we kind of want show that depending on where they live and how urban is that region, they're actually um, a style, um, perceiving style is different. There is this global and local style. So my point is we can also use this kind of different postcodes in future uh, to kind of pre-screen people and to account for more uh, for more variety, but it, when it comes to, to the scanning, yeah, it's just that the scanner is in Berlin, and when we do this intervention studies, uh, that is probably the reason. Um, but I hope I hope to have more uh, variety in future that we can also look to people who comes from rural environments. Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah.
Thank you so much. I know we've been going for almost an hour and a half. You probably didn't plan for so long, but the discussion is so interesting. Oh, and Dr. Ernest uh, and Rebecca have a question. I don't know if you still have time. Sure, sure. I, I, I did plan, so it just, okay. uh, it's completely <laughs> fine. As soon as people are interesting, I, I'm happy to talk about it. Oh, hey, listen, thank you, thank you. I had my, uh, first of all, Think uh, you're in the beginning of of your your journey and career. I I admire what you're doing. That that you're you know you're using good science models and and I love the the uh, biological endpoints that you're including rather than just uh, depending on self reports. Um, mm -hmm. Another another point that I want to make before my question was. Um, you know, this going out, stay out in, in, in the field, stay out in nature. These virtual things, we don't know what impact that stuff is going to do on us. Stay out in, in nature and, and that kind of thing. Teach with Mother Nature. Be out there. Um, my question really was, um, um, I mean, walking. I mean, I'm a walker. I'm an OG. I'm an old healthy guy, 68, former professor, all that kind of good stuff you know, have been where you are in the lab, you know, contemplating, you know, what to do in the lab as opposed in, in nature. My endpoints were uh, blood pressure, you know, and, and heart rate and, and measures of that. You know, we tampered with, with cortisol, with urine, that kind of thing. But, um, um, you know, it, walking by itself, regardless of where the walk is, uh, around a track, on a, on a treadmill in, in the office, regardless of what's around it, walking itself has a pretty profound uh, impact on the biology, okay, and the chemistry, on, yeah. on cortisol and, and other hormones as well, okay. Probably, you know, I haven't looked in a long time, but I would imagine some of my buddies, you know, former colleagues over there at Duke University, you know, who were into uh, looking at the impact of, of walking, probably have looked at brain neuroimaging okay so so my 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 issue with you here is that i want you to hear is dismantle that part of things there are people who are walking and then there are people who can be in nature now i'm sitting in my um my home office surrounded by windows okay you know and i'm looking out at nature at this moment okay and i can one window i can overlook and see my organic garden out there okay so i'm essentially in nature at this moment now i've already had a walk outside this morning okay mm -hmm. um and but but it was a walk and when i go into nature uh i am away from all of this it's not about walking I might travel to get there. I'm not going to walk to get deep into uh, the mountains and where I've got the stream and the waterfall. And I'm not going to do too much walking when I get there. <laughs> I'm just going to sit and bass and enjoy the mm. bliss of, you, you know what I mean, what, what nature mm. gives me. Okay. And I know biologically for me, just coincidentally, when I, because I've got all these monitors on me. Uh, for heart rate and blood pressure and these other little things. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? When I'm there and just nature doing nothing, but just being nature, not even contemplating, not even doing a mantra, not even doing a meditation, 
not even really doing anything except I'm sorry to interrupt, it. but did you listen to the presentation or look at the paper or the yes. presentation? Yes. Because there yes. is the comparison between walking in urban areas for exactly the same time and well, walking not, in nature not, for exactly it, the same time and then looking at the amygdala activity. So yeah, if you have a question, please go ahead and ask on your yeah. question. You. But it's but it's but you know walking in in walking by itself is by yeah, itself. Yeah, but that would be controlled so be, walking in urban in, areas, right? That's the control yeah. measurement because people are walking in urban areas and people are walking in nature. So you would you have a control for that. So thank you. Well, being in nature by itself has an impact. And so my question was, you know, have you looked at just the impact of being just in nature, period. Yeah, without walking, you mean. Yeah, yeah, because walking is a confounder, you know, uh, yeah. it, because it has an effect, it has a main effect by itself, um, which wasn't measured here. Uh, so being well, it in- it was, because you measure it in urban areas and it has a different effect on the amygdala versus if you walk in nature, at least in females. So you have well, a different effect there. But that's your interpretation. But being in nature is different than just walking, you know. So, so my question yeah. is, yeah. yeah, I get, I get what you mean. So you mean like what we found is the same thing if people were just sitting; they don't have necessarily to walk, sort of. Um, I mean, the, what Katarina says uh, is true. So both of them, like both conditions, are walking. So we are kind of assuming that it's the same for everyone, and we're just looking to the fact of what is different, and it's environment, right? But it is true that it's not a crucial thing, I think, to the to the study, because there has been studies who just had people sitting, for example, and they report that there is an effect um, in these physiological indicators of stress, such as blood pressure and electrodermal activity after 15 minutes even. That's what, that's what they're reporting. So I think it's more the point of being in nature, not necessarily walking. We went for walking because we just thought that it's kind of more interesting to be there while walking like for one hour and so on and it could be that yeah for some people who really likes nature they can be you for a long time in like just sitting but it might be boring after i don't know like one hour or something like that so then we, that's why we went for um for walking but i think it's this is not really crucial i think that just being in nature and many studies have shown this it's already kind of impacting mood or just walking uh, looking at the nature pictures or being in VR, it's already kind of effect, um, has an effect on mood and like also physiological indicators. So it's rather more nature than what do you do in nature, I would say, yeah. Okay, thank you for entertaining the question, Keith. Thank you for the question. Yeah. Uh... Rebecca left. Uh, I don't know. Rebecca, do you still want to ask your question or uh, you moved yourself back to? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Hey. Hi. <clears throat> so I wonder, I'm not a scientist, so <clears throat> I won't be able to say this in scientific words, but I wonder if in nature, <clears throat> excuse me, hold on one second. <clears throat> there are less fewer competing wavelengths. Uh, so for instance, if you're in the city, you, I, I have no idea if this makes sense because I don't know, but 
<laughs> maybe you can help me with this. Um, in the city, you have car sounds. Then you have the beeping of a large truck as it as it backs up. You have the wavelengths of dogs barking, of people walking, of lights um, turning. You know, the lights that are on. And in nature, I would assume there's less sensory input, and maybe fewer types of wavelengths. Um, so I'm Rebecca. That's my question. I'm done speaking. Um, it, yeah, that's 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 really great question, and the answer is we don't know. So the thing is that this is something um, why we think that this is happening. So right because the social stress, how they call it, is um, thought to be a reason why there is more stress in urban compared to natural environment. It's definitely more complex, um, more stimuli. You have to, as you said, like see if you're gonna be hit by a car or to cross the street and so on. So it's um, more stressful. But however, as, as I showed in this figure, we, we don't find an like, additional increase on the existing baseline in the in the urban environment, but we find a decrease in nature. So that's why we argue that it's rather something of nature being more, um, <coughs> excuse me, relaxing than urban being more uh, stressful. Um, at least what we see in amygdala. But um, this is definitely the, the one of the major differences between these two environments, just one being really um, calm and with less uh, threatening stimuli comparing to, to other one. And um, yeah, so um, this is probably one of the, of, the, of the ways to look at it. It's just that we don't know what is exactly um, the reason that it's driving um, the effect. Um, but um, probably the urban environments, as I mentioned in the beginning there, um, people have a more uh, mood and anxiety disorders in this environment. This is probably related to, uh, as well to the social stress and just the fact that the urban environments are more complex uh, and more intense environments than, than rural, for example. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's, affecting the sensory system if you've seen i have to go in a minute but have you seen a rainbow colored chart that i think you can find at the star institute on their website i know you can um <clears throat> that starts with the sensory it's a triangle and at the very bottom of the triangle are different sensory systems i'm trying to mm -hmm. see computer like interoception how we feel in our body vestibular our sense of balance proprioception mm -hmm knowing where we are in space. And then the problems that can happen as you go up that triangle, which ends in joy de vivre. Um, so until you, you can't have, it's harder to have joy de vivre if you have sensory problems. And so I wonder if part, and then um, there's an accompanying chart. Hold on, I just have to find it one second. There's a, an arousal curve that show, and I can send this to you if you want. There's an arousal curve mm -hmm. that says, it's a bell-shaped curve, and if we're on the low end of the curve, what kind of, hold on, I'm gonna open this up. Um, arousal regulation signs <clears throat> by Sarah Norris, N-O-R-R-I-S-M-S. -S. Um, and it shows what kind of 
mind, body, and behavioral states we can have when we're in low arousal, like sad, our mind could be sad or bored or mm -hmm. low energy. If, and then it goes up to optimal arousal, high arousal, and hyper arousal. And hyper arousal, we could be overwhelmed, um, our body, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it, it describes the mind, body, and behavioral states if we're not in optimal arousal. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if what nature provides is less input on our sensory system mm -hmm. and therefore yeah. we're more likely to be in optimal arousal. Now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know yeah. the difference between, I don't know the difference, how that would explain why women, the difference between men and women, but this is just a thread to possibly pursue. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I would agree with this because that's also something what we are kind of arguing with this change of amygdala threshold. We just think that, yeah, something like that, that in nature, the arousal is actually lower. Um, and this is um, somehow very easily saying uh, calming amygdala. And that's why when they come from the nature and they do so same task, uh, the amygdala activity is lower uh, because it's just its threshold changes. It. Uh, it's just more difficult to get activated. So I think this is definitely something to do with low arousal of being uh, in nature, and that's why this um, amygdala activity gets uh, lower. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, definitely. Um, because even if we extract and like take out many differences from environment and uh, urban and nature environment, uh, one of the things that stay, you know, like a color and whatever, there is still difference between high and low uh, arousal. So I think this is um, definitely some has something to do with this difference in, in the amygdala activation after the walk. Yeah, and if you're interested in this, Lucy Miller, um, it, she's written. Um, a lot about this research papers, etc. So that might also be something to explore. Okay, thanks a lot. I'll have a look. You know, I had a quick question that came up from this last discussion. And that is that, um, well, you know that um, autoimmune diseases are more common in women. And actually, mm -hmm. the most recent research is showing that there's actually more allergies among people with autoimmune conditions. And it just makes me wonder about the difference between male and female and the immune activation and the exposures to allergens and microbes. Anyway, just the thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, I, I can also look into this. Whatever there is a difference in sex, what um, kind of to help me understand this difference and also the difference uh, in arousal. I guess that this out difference in out, I don't know this the research, but I could imagine this um, higher uh, level of autoimmune diseases are also related to higher uh, or, um, anxiety uh, in women as well. Well, I know that there are studies indicating, um, yeah, there's HRV and there's um, sleep associations with autoimmune diseases. But I also should let you know too that there are, um, you might look up this article, it was in Nature called Allergic Host Defenses. And the author's Palm et al. Um, it was a number of years ago. 
And they cited some studies, and I think there's some additional ones too that I found that showed when they when they had like rats in a cage that had been sensitized to allergens, if they put a trace amount of that allergen in the cage, the, the rat or the mouse exhibited anxiety and it showed up in the uh, CRH levels in the brain. And so um, that it's something that hasn't been studied adequately, but, um, and actually I, I also found a study at the time that indicated that there were relationships between higher levels of allergy, like seasonally, and exacerbations of mental illnesses that are stress known to be stress-related, as most mental illnesses are. Um, so I, I think there was a bipolar one or something. Anyway, maybe I, I could send you the references, perhaps. Anyway. Yeah, that would be nice. I would like to have a look at that as well. Yeah, because yeah, this is still related to the environment, the allergens, and uh, this is interesting finding. Yeah, that would be nice. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you. Great. Um, yeah, so um, thank you so much for all these interesting questions and this very interesting discussion. Uh, Sonia, thank you for sharing this research with us and for doing this research. I think it's really important to do this systematically. You know, uh, we kind of had like intuitive data, like thinking that nature is good for us, but I always mm -hmm. think it's really good to do this in this scientific um rational way um to kind of convince people that um do this um, money versus what is worth it balance i think they need this type of data and research to be convinced so thank you yeah. for doing that uh, and yeah i hope you get a lot of funding a lot of collaborations that a lot of people listen to you and you know your colleagues and whatever I can do for it, <laughs> let me know. I don't think I can do much, but um, yeah, I can offer at least, you know, I have, I also have a company now that we have a mental health uh, tool, like a diagnosis tool, a new one. I can offer you to, if you have language data, to just screen for, for you, maybe the yeah. language data. Uh, yeah, that that would be my way probably to support if there would be ever a need for it. And um, yeah, I wish you all the luck, all the funding. And yeah, come back when you have updates on the ongoing. <laughs> they sound so wonderful. And I hope you enjoyed the time here. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed a lot. It's really nice to kind of uh, have these discussions. And uh, thanks a lot for your interest in the, in the field in general and like mental health and, and environment, um, environmental neuroscience. So yeah, thanks a lot for reminding me. I'm really um, had a great time and just discussing it. Thanks for many great ideas. I wrote them down and I um, definitely look some um, to it in like future future studies. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. And yeah, I might come back when I have um, maybe results from my second study or, or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, thanks a lot for the invitation. Yeah. And um, just to explain a little bit why I was a little bit rougher on one question earlier is 
you know, there are a lot of studies showing that when women present research, they get more questions if the project made any sense at all instead of detailed question. And that was kind of a question like that, like, why even do this? You know, I spent in the garden and it kind of personally by now irritates me a little bit. So that's why I jumped in for support. Maybe you probably didn't need it. But I just wanted to explain why, because women get way more questions like this. Like, does it even make sense what you're doing? <laughs> Basic questions. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, so I wish you all the best. I think it's wonderful that you're in a group where women get, you know, um, the the leading positions. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your evening. I know it's probably getting late in Germany. And um, Happy holidays, <laughs> and I'll maybe contact you again next year. So thank you. Thank, thanks a lot for the invitation. And yeah, uh, after this long session, have a have a walk. I, I'm gonna have a walk. Okay. Bye, Sonia. Bye, everyone. Bye, 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 everyone. Thank you. Yeah, and if you like discussions like this. Um, join the the club um we have tomorrow dr tarduno coming uh who will talk about the origin of the inner core structure of the earth and um then next week we have an, an astrobiology uh, room where um dr krishnamurti um discovered new um new data that um about um, adding on to the theory of origins of life and um, Dr. Dr. Fratkin uh, will come next Wednesday. It's a little bit related to the talk today, a new method to control unwanted thoughts um, that he's working on. And um, then Dr. Lana will talk about intracellular transfer of telomeres in T cells which is really interesting. Um, T-cells are very important nowadays for treatment and, and so on. So um, this will be a really interesting talk and um, multi-level development of cognition in AI with Dr. Dumas and Dr. Frank will talk about his theory about intelligence as a planetary scale process, uh, which is also will be a really interesting talk and I think discussion so thank you so much and um yeah of course close the room and three two one bye everyone thanks bye go for a walk everyone in nature <laughs> 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 bye thanks a lot bye